Good morning from WKYT News. I'm Bill Bryant. We welcome you to Kentucky Newsmakers and hope you're enjoying your weekend. And by the way, happy Mother's Day. In a few minutes, WKYT investigative reporter Miranda Combs will look at some of what she's covering these days, including how your actions on the Internet are being tracked and how doctors are facing violence in some emergency rooms. But first, Kentucky Attorney General and Democratic candidate for Governor Andy Bashir is here. Bashir has been traveling the state, running for Kentucky's highest office, while also doing his full-time job as the state's top prosecutor. In the primary race, things have gotten tough in recent weeks, from attacks being launched against Bashir from a group supporting one of his primary opponents, Adam Elam. This week, Bashir responded, and some Democratic uh, fighting, he says, helps the Republicans. So we'll ask a little about the politics in a bit. In his day job, Bashir took aim at human trafficking at the Kentucky Derby and is embroiled in a legal battle over the Bevin administration, getting the names of teachers involved in sick outs. So a lot to talk about with Andy Bashir. Thank you for coming in. We appreciate it. Thanks for having me. How are you balancing uh, doing the, the full-time job you right. have and traveling the state? It must be long days. Well, let me first say happy Mother's Day to both my mom, Jane Bashir, and the best uh, mother I know, my wife, Brittany Bashir, uh, who together were raising our, our eight and, and nine-year-old. I'll tell you, it, it's, it's a tough balance. It's a tough balance between waking up as a dad and wanting to be there at the baseball games and, and the horseback riding and the dance, uh, being attorney general where the needs are still there every single day, and campaigning for governor, getting out to talk about my message for how we can make things better. At the end of the day, I do it through 18-hour days. Um, and while they are long, um, we're seeing a great response out there of people who are excited, uh, who want a fighter that can get results. Uh, and, and I believe that I can deliver uh, those results for them and their families and, and make people's lives better right now. Well, we'll talk about some of those uh, fights here in just a moment that have, uh, go, are going on out there. But let me ask you about it. You are making a, a policy announcement. You plan to roll out statewide Monday uh, in which you are talking about trying to expand voters' access to the polls in Kentucky. It's been talked about some. Uh, what are you proposing? Well, voting is the bedrock of our democracy, but for far too many families, it's simply too hard. So we want to take steps to make sure that we have more than 20% of eligible voters uh, that come out and select their public officials and then can hold them accountable. It starts with automatic registration, where everyone when they turn 18 years old would be automatically registered to vote without any paperwork. Uh, next, we're going to uh, allow early voting up to a month in advance, and, and you can vote absentee without having to satisfy a certain excuse. We need to have longer hours at the polls because so many of our families work two jobs, and right now they're shut out of voting at 6 o'clock at night. We want to expand that uh, to 9 o'clock uh, at night. And then finally, in my first week in office, I'm going to sign an executive order automatically restoring the voting rights of all nonviolent felons. If they have done their time and served their sentence, they ought to get those rights back. I believe with those steps, we will have significantly more people voting, and that means that public officials have to serve those voters instead of sometimes the other way around. General Bashir, as you know, when these proposals have been made in the past, some of the concerns that have been raised, that is that uh, you have to be very careful, especially in a state with a history of uh, electoral mm -hmm. misdeeds, uh, that uh, everything stays in check. Uh, well, do you believe that these proposals that would be uh, widening the net for voters uh, would also be secure? 
uh, absolutely they would be secure. Uh, and I'm the right guy to do it because I'm Kentucky's attorney general. I run the election fraud hotline and I'm in charge of, of prosecuting uh, electoral malfeasance. I can tell you uh, going back in the last three and a half years, there's been a very small percentage of voter fraud out there, yet there is a huge percentage of qualified voters who do not show up and vote. That shows that the real challenge here and what we ought to be pushing is getting more people involved because this is their government. And this is the leadership that's going to determine if they get a better job, if they can afford health care, if we get ahead of this drug epidemic. We want people to be vested in that and invested in their state. So you could do parts of it by executive order. The rest would be legislation, I take it? Well, most uh, would be legislation, though I think that we could certainly work with uh, our different groups, Board of Election and others, to talk about uh, times for polling and other issues. But uh, I believe that this transcends uh, party. Uh, that at the end of the day, we all want more than a 20% turnout, that we want more people out there across parties getting an opportunity to decide who their next leaders are. Let's talk about some other issues. You and Governor Bevan have been on a collision course for three and a half years and have clashed even in the, in the courtroom several times, legal and political battles. Is this fight over uh, teachers' names uh, both legal and political? Well, to me, uh, this is about standing up to a bully. This governor has called our teachers names. Uh, he's accused them of causing harm to our children. He's put their retirement in a sewer bill that was illegally passed. Uh, and now he wants to pursue and fine them $1,000 each for showing up at the Capitol to protest his policies. That is wrong. I get that there are some families out there that were inconvenienced by the days that, that they were off in school, but find me one set of parents that thinks a teacher you know, earning, what, $35,000, $45,000 a year should be fined $1,000 a day. Um, this isn't moral. It's wrong. It's bullying and intimidation, and I intend on stopping it. The federal court has uh, ruled that it is okay for the labor cabinet to get uh, the names and information about teachers who took part in sick outs, and uh, you have uh, said that that is a defeat in court for you, but that there will be other things to come on this. Uh, what do you mean by that? Well, I said it was disappointing. Uh, in that it was a very initial ruling, but the case is far from over. Um, and, and the reason that that ruling came out, at least in part, is uh, Governor Bevan and his buddies uh, got around the subpoenas. Uh, when uh, the Labor Cabinet subpoenaed the school districts, I filed suit saying, we're not going to let you do this. We are not going to let you intimidate and bully these teachers. So what did they do? Matt Bevan had his Labor Cabinet Secretary walk over to his Commissioner of Education, Wayne Lewis, and simply ask for the documents, which he handed over. This shows that it is a concerted effort by this administration to attack teachers they think disagree with them, and it's just wrong, and it's time to end it. Governor Bevan has said that if kids are trapped in schools that are failing, they should have options, uh, potentially including private schools. He wants charter schools established in the state. Uh, do you see those stands as, as in, in your view, attacks on public education? Well, every child deserves a world-class education, and any child that's not getting one right now, uh, we as a state are failing. But the way to address that is to lift up our public schools, not defund them. I'm against charter schools because, unlike this governor, I've traveled across Kentucky and understand our communities that in most parts of Kentucky, east or west, it doesn't matter if you're a Democrat or Republican, your kids go to the same public school, and your school district cannot afford a charter school which would take money out of that system and funnel it to that school. That would be the end of public education.
They wouldn't be able to afford the technology they need in the classroom. Uh, it would seriously impact the education that our kids get. And at the end of the day, struggling school systems need an ally, not an adversary. They need a, a state that will come in and help and not simply attack. And yet the state law has been changed to allow for charter schools and a, and a framework of, uh, of how those would operate. Uh, would you be for, I mean, are you going to be able to tell a, a Republican-led legislature that uh, you're not going to do that? Well, the there has not been a charter school yet uh, created under that legislation because there has been no funding. And there's been no funding because this state woefully underfunds its public school system. Uh, we have a duty to every student to fully fund that public school system to make sure that they have smaller class sizes and more technology because we're competing not just with Indiana uh, but with India. Uh, I can tell you that I'm absolutely uh, against any step, whether it is tax credits or otherwise, that would take money out of a system and, and harm our children going to those schools. Kentucky owes uh, 40 billion or so that it doesn't have to uh, pay for public pensions and, uh, and the, the governor has uh, uh, tried to bring a, a spotlight on that. Do you think that Kentucky uh, should do what it has to do to get the money uh, to provide the defined benefits that uh, state workers uh, have been uh, promised when they signed up? A pension is a promise and I was taught that when you give a promise you keep it. And let me tell you, I owe so much to so many of these public servants. I'm a Fayette County public school graduate. And without my teachers, uh, I wouldn't be where I am, but I also don't think that I'd be the person uh, that I am. So we're going to keep our promise to them by fully funding the system. And as opposed to Governor Bevan, who will only cut benefits or hoist those costs on cities and counties, we're going to create new revenue to address it. We're going to do it in four ways. First, expanded gaming. We lose $550 million a year every year to other states in tax revenue. If we dedicated 100% to the pension system, which no one has ever done, it will pass. Second, medicinal marijuana. I did not come to this lightly. I'm the top law enforcement official in this state, but opioids don't work for long-term pain. This will generate um, around $50 million. Uh, third, let's close some of these really unfair tax loopholes. Right now in Kentucky, if you buy a private jet, now I've never done that, but if you buy a private jet, you don't pay sales tax. You can afford that sales tax. One of your opponents, uh, Adam Edelin, has said if it's medical marijuana, then it's medicine, and we don't uh, tax that in Kentucky, uh, as you know. Well, uh, I believe that uh, to get this passed and to address this pension problem, that it ought to be passed in a revenue-positive way. And at least the original backers of it believe that uh, the bill that was initially filed would have generated those dollars. And let me tell you, we've got uh, 200,000 public servants out there that are counting on us keeping this pension uh, promise. And I'm the only candidate that has a four-part plan, three of which I gave to you. And the last one is no longer giving tax incentives to companies that create cut-rate jobs. Let's put our families first and let's keep our promise. Andy Bashir is here. He's the Kentucky Attorney General and Democratic candidate for governor. We're coming back. More questions for him in a moment.
Welcome back to WKYT's Kentucky Newsmakers. Glad to have you with us. And as part of our continuing coverage of campaign 2019, we are visiting with candidate for governor on the Democratic side, Andy Bashir. And uh, we uh, I've uh, been uh, talking to the other candidates, uh, uh, some of the other candidates as the uh, uh, election uh, season has rolled on. And it has been uh, it's been an interesting season. <laughs> uh, let's uh, talk about uh, health care. Your father expanded yes. Medicaid uh, to make uh, more people eligible for coverage by uh, raising the number of people available, uh, eligible. The Bevin administration has said that it is unsustainable in that current form and is seeking a waiver to require uh, work, or volunteering, or training to keep coverage. Do you oppose that stipulation? Oh, I do. That stipulation is aimed at kicking 90,000 people off their health care. Uh, let me tell you, I believe health care is a basic human right and that everyone should be able to see a doctor when they're sick and it shouldn't break the bank to get there. But I don't just talk about health care, I'm fighting for it. Right now I'm fighting this governor and the federal government who are trying to tear away the most important protections in federal law. They're trying to tear away mandatory coverage for pre-existing conditions. That's half of all Kentuckians. They're trying to reallow discrimination against women where women could be charged more than men for the same policy. And maybe the cruelest of all, they're trying to reallow those lifetime caps where a child with type 1 diabetes or Crohn's would be out of coverage and out of luck before they even reach adulthood. So we have a plan, it's on andybashir.com. It's the only healthcare plan uh, in this race for governor that talks about how we're gonna put those protections into state law, how we're gonna embrace expanded Medicaid and rescind that waiver, and then how we're gonna lower everyone's healthcare costs because everyone pays too much. How do you believe you can do that overall uh, in one state, lower uh, the cost of healthcare? Well, it starts with addressing the price of generic drugs. I'm already in a very large action in Connecticut, and you'll hear more about this next week, where we believe that generic drug manufacturers are conspiring to increase prices. Uh, we've got to use our leverage as a state to keep that from happening. I'll give you one example. New York, about a year and a half ago, realized it was one of the largest purchasers of pharmaceuticals in the world. And so they told these companies that if you increase your prices more than inflation plus a couple percent, we're not buying from you. They cut over a billion dollars of costs in their first year without removing one drug from their formulary. We can do the same. This opioid crisis is, uh, yes. is awful. Uh, we, we've uh, been challenged by it uh, as a, a state and a nation. Uh, do you uh, think we can get a handle on that in the, in, the, in the years ahead? This is the challenge of our times, and it kills 30 Kentuckians a week. And I'm absolutely committed to doing everything it takes to put this crisis that arose in our lifetime behind us. And as a dad of an eight and a nine year old, I'm banking on it. Uh, Bill, it wasn't far from here that I pulled an overdosing man from a car and saw him die on a street. The color drained from his face before he was brought back with Narcan. This is as serious of an issue as we've ever faced, but I've got a track record for, for addressing it. Whether it's chasing dealers of fentanyl and car fentanyl, providing over $9 million of extra drug fund treatment, launching the Kentucky Opioid Disposal Program, or being the most aggressive AG in the country at suing opioid manufacturers. Voters out there should know that I've been laser focused on this, and I'm the person that can get us ahead of it. Higher education has uh, seen cuts for uh, really the last uh, mm -hmm. uh, more than 10 years at this point. It was during your father's administration that that started in the recession. Uh, when uh, there, there wasn't uh, money to do much, and it, as you know, the revenue has continued to, uh, to not be there, uh, and those uh, universities have been cut uh, continuously since then. 
tuition hikes have been uh, recently put in at EKU. It looks like uh, it's coming at UK and other things. Do you tie those tuition hikes uh, to the cuts from state government? Oh, I think the tuition hikes are, are directly related uh, to those cuts from state government. I believe in higher education, and we've got to graduate more Kentuckians from both college um, and through skilled trades. Uh, and it can't uh, make them mortgage their future. Uh, Bill, I'm 41 years old. I will not tell you how old my wife is, but we are still paying for a student loan. That shouldn't be the case. Uh, so it's time that we invest. And again, talk versus action. A lot of people in a race will, will, will talk a big game, but I have fought for higher education. When Matt Bevan illegally cut the budgets of our universities and community colleges, I sued, we won, we returned over $18 million where it belongs, but it's time to really reinvest but tie that reinvestment into lowering tuition. Was he right to insist on efficiencies, though, at those, uh, those campuses around the state? He wasn't insisting on efficiencies. He was at a time of surplus, trying to cut uh, the dollars going to our universities in an illegal fashion, and look at what's happened. Tuition increase after tuition increase after tuition increase. Listen, I'm, I'm here to support our kids. I'm here to support our young adults. I want to build a big, bright future for them and for my kids. You have, uh, as we've pointed out, sued this governor uh, several times. You've prevailed a lot. You've lost a couple of times. Do you think Kentuckians look forward or dread a campaign uh, that uh, over the next few months uh, could be uh, more of the Bevan-Bashir feud played out uh, before their eyes? Well, as Attorney General, I've stood up for what is right. And I will tell you that a Bevan-Bashir battle I don't think will be a right versus left. It will be a right versus wrong. It is wrong to call our teachers and public servants names. It is wrong to illegally cut their pensions. It is wrong to try to find people who disagree with you $1,000 a piece. It's wrong to try to tear down public education, and it is wrong to try to kick 90,000 people off their health care. Listen, I work every day for our Kentucky families. They're who I want to serve, and I want to make their lives better right now. We can't wait one minute longer for better jobs, for more affordable health care, uh, to keep this pension promise, and to get ahead of this drug epidemic. I'm raising the two most amazing kids that I could ask for in this Commonwealth, and I desperately want a better state and a better world for them. In this primary campaign, were you blindsided by negative ads uh, running against you uh, that bring up uh, Tim Longmire, who recently worked in your office uh, before being convicted in a bribery scheme, uh, that and uh, some other things where it is referred to as uh, you uh, putting a large emphasis on money uh, that's raised for your campaigns. Well, in this race, I had hoped that every single candidate would realize it's bigger than us, because this race is bigger than me. This state doesn't survive another four years of Matt Bevan, and because of that, I called for a positive primary, because we shouldn't be doing Matt Bevan's work for him. Every time we parrot his talking points for the last three years and attack each other, all we do is make it more likely that he will get reelected. I believe in our families, and I believe that this election is so critical that, you know, I agreed not to do that. It's unfortunate that others have, but at the end of the day, I'm not going to feel sorry for myself. We're going to fight through that. We're not going to give the people of Kentucky any excuses, uh, and, and we're going to make sure that this state gets a governor that cares about our families more than an out-of-state CEO. Win or lose this primary, is there something that you want to get done in your remaining months as Attorney General? 
Oh, there's so much uh, I still want to get done. Uh, we have to continue to aggressively um, uh, work in our cold case unit to seek more indictments coming out of the rape kit backlog. Uh, when I became attorney general, uh, we had over 5,000 untested rape kits. And in three and a half years, we have now tested every one. We're one of only two states with zero untested kits, but that was just the first step. Now I have a dedicated investigator and prosecutor working every single day, uh, and I think you'll hear about some more indictments uh, really soon. But those are forgotten 5,000 survivors of horrendous crimes that I want to make sure while I'm AG, we get as much justice for them as possible. Uh, about uh, nine or ten more days in this primary uh, Just campaign. A few. All right, thanks for coming. We appreciate you very much. Thank you, Bill. Andy Bashir. And stay with us now. WKYT investigates reporter Miranda Combs will be with us with what she's looking into lately coming up. Welcome back to Kentucky Newsmakers. WKYT investigates reporter Miranda Combs is always looking into things of interest to you and ways to protect your family. And recently, she's focused on how your internet shopping and browsing is being tracked. And she recently attended a national conference on the opioid crisis and lots of other things that you are looking into. You are one busy person, Miranda. I'm not as busy as you. <laughs> well, but thanks for coming in. <laughs> um, so let's uh, let's talk about uh, some of the things that are going on. Again, you have just come back from Atlanta. Recently, the president was there. Uh, there was a big discussion about where we are in the opioid crisis. I think it was a coming together for the president to um, bring groups together, and it was almost more of an emotional push for him. Uh, the panel on stage with him was made up of people who had lost someone to addiction, people who were recovering from addiction. A lot of people around here know uh, Alex Ellswick, who's recovering from substance abuse. Um, so it was a chance for them to quickly tell their stories and the impact that they're hoping to have on their communities. And it was a lot of pats on the backs and good jobs and keeps up, keep up the good works from the president. Violence in our emergency rooms. This is something that uh, doctors are dealing with, hospital staffs. I mean, this is an increasing problem. And an ER physician we spoke to, uh, Ryan, Dr. Ryan Stanton, he said that, you know, this is handled differently now. Back in the day when there wasn't so much emphasis on making the patient happy or all, the patient is always right, that kind of mentality. Before that, doctors and nurses stood up for themselves a lot more. But now they can't do that. And so they go through trainings to learn how to stay between the door, always be near the door and things like that that you wouldn't think that they would want to worry about. But he went as far to say that a lot of nurses have quit because of assaults that have happened to them and they can't work anymore or just because they don't want the stress of it anymore because it's it's constant and also I think and this is just me thinking with all of the uh, people that are heading into dementia ages and things like that they can be very combative without even meaning it at times and it can cause a lot of problems when they pop into an emergency room situation. And I guess in a competitive environment where somebody's filling out the card, how was your experience? Uh, that's uh, that's the additional it's pressure. That exactly. They, yeah. That's that patient experience that they want to nail every time these days. An interesting piece on how our Internet browsing is being tracked. And a Kentucky business <laughs> is making uh, some good money doing that. It right? was one of those that our executive producer um, was reading over some press releases. And he's like, hey, this guy's from Somerset. So we went down to visit him there. And he runs a small marketing company. And he's really... Uh, 
won some awards for as fast as he's able to turn uh, advertising dollars into revenue. Um, one, he, he said the guy paid him $150 in advertising and, and turned into $300,000 in revenue. So basically this online tracking is so popular right now that it's having a bad effect on things like Facebook. Because if you notice, you'll scroll down your Facebook page now. You don't get on Facebook a lot, do you? But, but for <laughs> most, a lot of us, we scroll down. But now we notice there's so many ads on there. It's almost distracting to your experience. And you'll also notice that the ad is about something you've searched for the day before. Um, so they're definitely trying to lure you in and the, the advertisers are finding more and more ways to pinpoint exactly what you want as a person visiting Facebook. So um, there's no answer other than to shut down Facebook, don't use it. Um, and that means shutting down Instagram and um, the Messenger and WhatsApp because they're all owned by, uh, by Facebook. So it's, it's turning into a big problem. Europe has started to change this and that you have to have or consent to do it and um, to be able to track. But uh, I'm sure they get around that as well. So it's, it's a tricky business. But, but, but to make matters worse, Facebook isn't the worst one to do it. It's Google. Think of everything you've Googled this week. So they, Facebook yeah. knows every single one. Even if you delete your browser history, you may keep it from your spouse, as the guy said, but it's not going to keep it from Google. Google knows every worry <laughs> and concern. And I know a lot of there us women go. have tons of worries and concerns about our kids or what's going on, and, and Google knows. <laughs> we have close to 10,000 kids in foster care in the state, mm -hmm. and there's a, the court-appointed special advocates, the CASA mm -hmm. uh, group that people don't know much about, but they play an important role. I'd always heard the term, but I didn't know what it was, and that's the great thing about this job is we get to explore things that we don't even know much about but I sat down with the two ladies from CASA uh, one out of Lexington and sat there for an hour with them just learning but here's the difference with CASA when you've got a child that is in the foster care system or in the court system they are immediately giving social workers right but the social worker has so many cases they're dealing with right now and a judge will decide if this child needs a CASA advocate and when a CASA advocate is brought in there's one or two per child that's two children at the most for one CASA advocate so basically they're able to watch that child closer watch their medications watch how they're doing in school um, they can even do some things that social workers can't do by looking back mm -hmm. at the history they've been through they told the story that one infant um, went through seven foster homes in seven months and at some point had slipped through the cracks this medication they desperately needed and he had a lot of pain in his side and it turned out it was this medication that they weren't giving him that he could have died but because of CASA was able to go back and track all those medications they solved the puzzle and now that child is happy to play a larger adopted. role than we realized quickly uh, you are going to look into summer camps and who staffs those camps I just got off a of Skype interview with the uh, American Camp Association that accredits a lot of these camps. Interesting story for parents that they'll need to see next Friday about how to know what camps are safe and what camps you may need to take a second look at. All right. Thanks for being with us, Miranda, mm -hmm. as always, and thanks for your good work. Thank you for being with us for this edition of Kentucky Newsmakers. Have a good week ahead.